Listener Production. For every dollar a man earns in Australia, women earn 77 cents. We are so socially progressive on many fronts, and yet Australia has one of the most gendered divisions of labour in the OECD. Interestingly, both salaries of men and women have gone up. It's just the relationship and the proportion between the two has stayed the same. So in the second half of today's briefing, Rihanna and I are going deep into the reasons why the gender pay gap has stagnated in Australia for the first time in nine years. It's not as simple as chauvinistic bosses. There are a range of cultural and structural hurdles that are at play here, and some of them might surprise you. That briefing topic is after today's headlines. It is Thursday, December 15. I'm Katrina Blowers, joined by Rihanna Patrick. The government's energy relief bill is expected to pass Parliament today. It will see gas prices capped as well as $3 billion worth of bill relief. Now, this comes after the Greens and Independent Jackie Lambie and also David Pocock signalled their support. Here's what the Greens leader, Adam Bant, had to say. The Greens will be supporting the legislation that the government is putting to Parliament. A condition of the Greens' support was to add funding that will help households and businesses move away from gas and use electricity instead. Bant says the estimated savings could be up to $1,900 a year, but the upfront costs had barred people from making the switch. I don't know about you, Rihanna. I have found this very complex and difficult to get my head around. Mm. Uh, people are saying that uh, this will slash about $230 off our energy bills next year. This legislation is targeting gas and price caps and coal prices are expected to be capped by the states and the coal-rich states in Australia and New South Wales and Queensland. I guess what's been a sticking point here is that the Greens and David Pocock don't support any compensation for coal companies, which I guess is fair enough. They've been making big profits too. Yeah, and Katrina, despite the possibility of those savings for households, it's still expected that there will be an increase of a few hundred dollars to energy bills. Former Prime Minister Scott Morrison has told a robo-debt royal commission it was distressing. No one ever told him or his ministers that the scheme could be unlawful. Yeah, Morrison was Social Services Minister in July 2015 when the debt recovery program started and he was grilled over his knowledge of the legality of the scheme. There was nothing to suggest to me that it was unlawful at that time or at any other time until the Solicitor-General uh, provided the Minister for Government Services with advice in 2019. He essentially said he was told the plan was not a new policy, but an expansion of a pre-existing one, which is why he didn't ask for more clarification, also saying that he had faith in his department. Yeah, and this is hundreds of thousands of Centrelink debts, which were issued under the robo-debt scheme over more than four years. And the program was declared unlawful in the federal court in November 2019, with the government forced to pay out $1.8 billion in a settlement to welfare recipients. This scheme has also been linked to a number of suicides and it's caused so much pain and anguish. I know personally of a friend who is still undergoing a huge amount of suffering thanks to this robo-debt scheme. It used algorithms to assess your income data against Centrelink welfare payments and that averaging system used was later found to be inaccurate. 
The family members of some of those killed in this week's Queensland siege have spoken out. Kerry Dare, the widow of the Good Samaritan neighbour Alan Dare, who died when he went to check on the property, has told a current affair she's heartbroken over the alleged treatment of her late husband's body. And they left him there for 13 hours. If he was shot at five o'clock, they left him there. I didn't see him till six o'clock the next morning. He chose to go and help someone and you're letting him die on the road. Two police officers were executed when they arrived to do a missing persons check on the property in Queensland's Western Downs on Monday night. Another two officers were injured. Yeah, former school principals Nathaniel and Stacey Train were behind the ambush along with Stacey's husband and Nathaniel's brother Gareth. A current affair also spoke to the father of Gareth and Nathaniel Train. I just could not understand how something like this could have occurred with, with two children who'd been raised by my late wife Gwen and myself um, with certain beliefs, uh, Christian beliefs. So that was Ron Train. He's a retired Baptist pastor. He hasn't seen his sons for 23 years after they cut ties with their parents. And Rihanna, more details have been emerging of the conspiracy theories Gareth in particular posted online. He considered himself a sovereign citizen who didn't need to answer to the government or the law. I've read some reports, Rihanna, that worryingly there are about 100,000 people in Australia who identify as sovereign citizens. Yeah, and I think um, as this story continues, we're only going to hear, uh, I guess, more about what was behind um, these killings. Friends and family of Bali bombing victims have slammed an apology from the man who made the bombs. Jan Lazenski, who lost five friends in the explosion, has called the situation obscene, according to SBS. Patek was paroled last week after serving about half of his original 20-year prison sentence for making the explosive used in the Bali bombings. He's offered an apology directed especially to Australians. Regardless of their ethnicity and religion, I sincerely apologise to all of them. And I apologise to the Australians who also experienced a very great impact from the Bali bombing crime that occurred. Indonesian authorities say Patek was successfully reformed in prison and they're going to use him to influence others to turn away from terrorism. Yeah, I can't imagine that that apology would mean too much for people involved in that horrible incident. Briefly, Tasmania will pause today, marking one year since the Hillcrest Primary School tragedy. Six children lost their lives and three others were seriously injured in the horrific jumping castle accident. Hard to believe that was a year ago. And the US sports reporter's cause of death at the FIFA World Cup has been revealed. Grant Wall sadly died of an undetected aortic aneurysm. Yeah, his brother's now walking back from those earlier claims that it was foul play and a Qatari photojournalist also passed away suddenly while covering the cup. All right, Rihanna, we are about to find out why the gender pay gap, which has been closing year on year here in Australia, has all of a sudden stalled. up for work each day if you're a woman do you give much thought to how much you're not making because your gender is what's reducing your earning capacity i have to admit sometimes i wonder and new figures out this week on how australia's tracking with the gender pay gap shows that overall it's not that great the thing is it has been moving in the right direction narrowing every year for the last nine years up until 2021 
Now, that latest figure shows that women earn, on average, $26,500 less than men. Now, it's not a small amount, but what does it all mean? What industries are doing better in reducing that pay gap and what needs to happen? To give us some of these answers, Mary Wooldridge is the Director of the Workplace Gender Equality Agency and she joins us on The Briefing now. Mary, this is the ninth year that the employer census has been run and the biggest to date, but what areas does this census look at? So the census is a requirement by law for all companies that have have 100 or more employees and they have to do it every year uh, on gender equality measures. And we look at um, pay, we look at workforce composition, we look at policies and practices, we look at the board, all the things that can characterise the gender equality environment that's created in the workplace. And what we've seen from the results from this year's census is that the gender pay gap, which is our main measure of gender equality, uh, has not shifted in 12 months. It's 22.8%. And that effectively represents, uh, if you add up all the salaries of women and all the salaries of men uh, and compare the two, that men on average earn over $26,000 more a year than women do. I found this really disheartening to read this. Um, I think it's something that a lot of women suspect is going on, but then when you see it in black and white and you have it confirmed, it makes you feel quite disheartened. What are some of the reasons why this is going on? Well, there's many companies who actually are making inroads and are improving their gender pay gap, but unfortunately uh, there's more who are either not making any shift or actually going backwards. And about uh, just over 40% of companies actually went backwards in terms of their gender pay gap in the last 12 months. And it has been a very difficult business environment. Uh, We've got inflation going up, we've got interest rates going up, we've got difficult supply chain issues. And what we think is that there is a significant portion of companies that have said, well, we'll put gender equality issues aside and just focus on the difficult business circumstances instead of seeing gender equality as part of the solution to the challenges that they're facing. So it's been deprioritised in the context of a difficult work environment. We think it needs to come back to sort of front and centre and being part of that solution because we know when there's more women in senior leadership and it's a more balanced team, then companies perform better in terms of their profitability and their productivity. So gender equality can be part of the solution. When we talk about women, I mean, where are they more commonly found in workplaces and, you know, what levels of management are they in? So Australia actually has one of the most highly gender segregated industrial structures in the developed world, which means that more than 50% of people either work in highly masculinised, so men obviously, in highly masculinised industries, and women work in highly feminised industries. That's um, education, that's uh, healthcare and social assistance. And what we also find, unfortunately, is those feminised industries tend to be lower paying, If you're uh, in the managerial category, 60% of managers are men um, and only just over 40% are women. Women are more likely to have uh, clerical and administrative roles, once again, lower paying, whereas professionals and trades are more likely to be male. So we do have this quite uh, significant segregation um, and that's one of the things we actually need to try and address to try and reduce the gender pay gap. 
When you were talking before about how in some industries or some companies have actually gone backwards, what do you put that down to? Is it because some places haven't been able to afford to give women pay rises or is it because some women have left? You know, there's that quiet quitting revolution going on. So the ratio of women to men has decreased in the favour of, of the men at the workplace. What do you think about that? Well, interestingly, both salaries of men and women have gone up. It's just the relationship and the proportion between the two has stayed the same. We cover about 4.5 million employees and a quarter of them have resigned over the last 12 months. Now, many are going on to other roles or other jobs, but there is this massive turnover. And while more than half of the resignations are women, more than half of the promotions and appointments are actually men. So we think that companies need to be much more deliberate and, and intentional in relation to looking for women to recruit into those senior roles and also importantly, creating those roles in a way that meets the way that many women need to work in a way that has some flexibility um, because they may have parental or other caring responsibilities. So employers can create an environment uh, that is conducive to women uh, working, being successful and being able to manage both their work and other unpaid work uh, responsibilities. But they have to plan to do it. You know, it, it actually takes some work. And uh, when you take your eye off that ball, when you don't focus on it, then that's how you go backwards. Mary, what does that pay gap look like between industries? I mean, you mentioned before that there are some workplaces that are doing it better, some where the gap still exists quite significantly. But are there some workplaces that are doing it better than others and some industries doing it better? Yeah, there's quite a range. It ranges from just under 5% for um, public administration all the way up to nearly 30% for the construction sector. So the gender pay gap varies across industries. Let me take the financial services industry, for example. They're uh, the second highest, so they're still around 29%. But uh, over the last eight years, they've come down over 9%. So they were by far and away the highest, but with concerted effort, they have been consistently reducing their gender pay gap year on year. Did you have any data around what the gender pay gap looks like if you bring in other factors like race or disability? So we haven't uh, before been able to collect uh, a range of diversity data, but it's obviously really fundamental and does make a difference. And where it happens in other countries around the world, you do see a significant difference um, based on diversity factors. We've now got the go ahead to start to voluntarily collect that data from employers. We actually have to, in the first place, help employers to collect it themselves because many don't. And then when they've collected it, they'll be able to report it to us. Mary, if we look at that broader picture of where Australia sits compared to other OECD countries, where are we and who's managed to actually reduce that gap the best? This isn't a unique problem to Australia. Every country has this issue. And interestingly, even uh, while we've our gender pay gap stagnated, you have a look at Canada and New Zealand, for example, and their gender pay gap in the last 12 months has actually gone up a little bit. So, you know, good news is, is we haven't increased. We've stayed stable, but uh, that's also the bad news that we haven't progressed. Australia does reasonably well, but not the best. We do have the best data set in the world, but different countries have done different things. So the UK, for example, have made the uh, gender pay gaps for individual employers public. 
They did that about five years ago. We haven't been able to, but we've learned from their experience. They've made some progress off the back of that and we'll be making employer gender pay gaps transparent in the coming period of time. And we're also going to require the legislation will be changed so that companies with 500 or more employees will actually need to set targets. Not only will they report to us, they'll actually now need to take some action through setting targets and meeting those targets to show they're progressing on the gender equality front. Oh, I like this. Do you think also this banning of pay secrecy rules is going to help? I think it just means people are more informed. Uh, You're more equipped in terms of negotiations and discussions and you're more able to also know where you sit relative to everyone else and whether you should be advocating um, on your behalf uh, in terms of pay, in terms of the removal of the secrecy clauses. So all of this is good progress to people being equipped with the knowledge to be able to be strong advocates on their own behalf. And a lot of people say, oh, women don't negotiate as well as men. Well, the evidence shows that women negotiate equally with men. It's just often the outcome is not as positive uh, for women when they try to negotiate. So the more equipped we can be for these discussions, armed with evidence and facts, uh, the better. So Mary, what needs to happen in order to kickstart this closing of that gap, of that gender pay gap um, in Australia after it has stalled? I mean, what next? The first thing that we always like to continue to advocate for is that there's strong economic evidence for gender equality in a workplace. And in difficult times, actually having a more balanced leadership team is going to be better for business. So that's an important message that we just continue to communicate again and again and again. We think that the new measures coming in, such as employee transparency, uh, the gender pay gap transparency, target setting, will help employers to focus their mind in relation to Um, this is a priority and we need to do something about it. But I also think the labour market means employees are are now actually in a a really strong position to be drivers of change as well. See how the company who you're recruiting or you're interviewing with um, is performing and ask some of those questions to your peers, to your manager, to HR, um, to your interview panel. What are you doing to address your composition of your, your senior leadership team? You know, why... Do you not have paid parental leave when the rest of you know your industry does? Those sort of questions can help both generate discussion, put pressure on employers to progress more, but also inform your decision making about who you work with and you know and whether you want to continue working there. That was Mary Wooldridge, who's the director of the Workplace Gender Equality Agency. Ah, oh, I find this stuff disheartening, but I also love that there is an agency who's really looking into this and doing something about it. Yeah, Katrina, I think the thing that was interesting for me was Mary talking about what we don't know in those figures and how that plays out when you look at diversity and you look at things like race and class and ability and that that data is only about to start being looked at. But first, companies need to be providing that in the first place. So we still obviously have a long way to know what that gender pay gap is if you're a woman of colour or a woman with a disability. That is all from us on today's briefing. Hope you all have a great day. On tomorrow's episode, if you've ever wondered how those prisoner swap deals work, we've just seen a fairly public example of that in the news. We're going to learn all about that. That is in tomorrow's episode. Listener.